Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. O2. Got him. Got him, Immaculate. Oviedo. An immaculate inning. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. It is Friday, May the 26th. Another week of Pirates baseball. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Marty Leap and Trey Yannity back with you. To recap this week, dive into everything that has happened. The Pirates, uh, two and five since the last time we recorded. Interesting couple of series here, Marty. Arizona, uh, you know, a, a winnable series. Some mistakes there that we've seen kind of linger here through this middle part of May into the end of the month now. And, uh, of course, series against the Rangers. Similar there as well. Could have won the series in game number three there. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, going to dive into the minors a little bit here. We're going to talk some pitching tonight. Kind of make that one of the uh, more main focuses. Excited to be back, Marty. I know you got single-digit days left now in the school year coming up on it. We got uh, some Little League baseball, I know, going on in the league family as well. So wishing, um, you know, luck throughout the season here as you guys get underway. But, uh, you know, Marty, how you doing? How do you feel about uh, this last week of Pirates baseball? Yeah, you know, I can't complain. If you're, depending on what time of the day on Friday you're listening to this or if it's into the weekend, um, I have either four more student days to go or five more. Um, but I'm off work next Tuesday myself. So uh, one less day for me, one, one less day that – students get to spend with the always wild and wonderful Mr. Leap. But uh, no, yeah, can't complain. It's almost summertime. Baseball, as you said, full swing of my house. We're four games into Pony. We're four games into the always uberly competitive 8U Coach Pitch League. Um, so yeah, you know, good stuff. Good stuff happening. Summertime's here. Baseball's in full swing, even if the Pirates are currently not doing what we had hoped to see after the strong start. But hey, summertime in baseball, I can't complain. You can't. You can't. Uh, I hope it doesn't get too wild for you. I know it's uh, it is always a fun time of year for the students. They're getting out. I know it's a fun time of year for the teachers as they get to the finish line as well. What's uh, I've ever asked you, what, what's it like? What's a day in the uh, the classroom of Marty Leap? What's it like in the, the Leap classroom? Chill teacher. Oh, well, I mean, for those who are listening who do not know, my experience as a teacher is much different than most out there. Um, because I don't just teach emotional support. I teach emotional support at an all uh, special needs 
school. So um, we're it, it's a different breed, but I love it. Um, I have 12 kids in my room. They are in there all day long with the exception of when they go to therapy or anything of that nature. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not for everybody. I know that for a fact, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't even think I could go back and teach the public school ever again at this point. Um, you just, it's a totally different beast and you form bonds and relationships with those kids. unlike you can do in a public school setting. And, uh, even though there's plenty of days, they, they hate me and I've had kids look me dead in the eye and say, this is why I hate you. Deep down <laughs> hearts, I, they know it's because I care, but uh, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's totally different. I have to teach every subject, which leads to some interesting times. It definitely leads to times where kids are running the class because there might be things they know more about than I do. But uh, no, I love it. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Well, and you said it too. I mean, it's not something that everybody can do. It's uh you know, it's honorable and um, you guys do not get enough credit. You, you Marty, especially, uh, you know, doing that on a day-to-day basis. But uh, no, the summer's coming up. So excited for that. Um, let's get into the, this week, though. Let's talk about, uh, you know, kind of where Vince Velazquez is at. Our, our third member of the podcast, Nick Caparoso, had an article kind of on, the, uh, you know, just the progression. We obviously didn't think that he might be a viable starter for this team when it was announced. That was kind of the feeling. He was going to be a starter from that first press conference on. Um, but, you know, this has been a nice surprise. Obviously, it took a turn that we didn't want to see with the injury here. But, you know, a bit of a positive turn as well. Not long term. Uh, let's get an update here on Vince Velazquez, Marty. And, um, you know, just kind of what you think about this past week for the staff to go along with it uh, as we as we transition as well. You know, what do we see? Is Luis Ortiz going to be uh, – with the staff for much longer. Yeah. I mean, first off, I definitely think Ortiz is going to be odd man out here, which is no knock on Ortiz. Um, for the first time in a very long time, the pirates actually have six legitimate starting pitching options. Um, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I don't think anyone would have anticipated this coming into the year. Honestly, of those five, the, the one who, probably has pitched the poorest has been Rowanzi Contreras. Um, but he's not going anywhere, obviously. I, we'll get into Oviedo more as the show goes on. But, you know, Johan Oviedo's overall numbers are severely inflated by two just god-awful starts that came back-to-back at the end of last month and the beginning of this month. He gave up – I'm going to double-check, but I'm pretty certain he gave up literally half of the earned runs he's allowed all year across those two starts. Um, so no one's going anywhere, but – as we've already seen this year, unfortunately, with the Pirates, it's starting pitching. There's going to be injuries. You're going to need guys. If nothing else, you know, the way this team is trending right now, they very quickly have gone from where they were to potentially thinking about what you could sell off in July. Um, so, you know, Velasquez or Hill could be moved. I mean, obviously, we're way ahead of ourselves there. But regardless, you're going to, for one reason or another, you're going to need starting pitching help somewhere down the line. And, Ortiz will be back. Now, I still think just with the way things are set up with this road trip and off days, and I, I think Ortiz probably gets one more start. If I had to guess, I, I, I think he is currently scheduled to start Sunday in Seattle. If I had to guess, I think Ortiz probably goes one more and then is optioned back for Velasquez. Um, you know, it's it, one thing with the Pirates that's going to be very interesting to watch as the season progresses with Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, and Rowanzi Contreras is going to be, you know, load management there. All three of these guys 
are well on their way to a career high in innings and by a lot, especially Oviedo and Contreras. Um, and Oviedo, this is his first full season as a starting pitcher. So, you know, if you can throw Ortiz Sunday, then Velasquez Monday, something like that, and push everybody else back a day where, yeah, maybe you're causing those guys to miss a start. But in the end of the year, you know, that missed start now, the way you can finagle things with your rotation going in out of the all-star break, those are the kind of things that may allow a guy to pitch to the end of the year, not need to get shut down in the end of September. Those are the kind of things that may allow a guy to start in September when he's rolling to go seven, eight innings instead of saying, you know what, we got to pull him after five, after six, because we got to watch his workload. Um, that could be the thing that may prevent a guy from, I, I think we saw this last year with JT Brubaker. And I'm not saying this led the JT Brubaker eating Tommy John by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not uncommon to see a guy in a position like Brubaker was last year where you have that extreme career high in innings pitched where you get into September and you're just out of gas and you struggle and it could lead to injuries and all just a lot of factors there. So I do think we see Ortiz make one more start before he goes back down for Velasquez, but you know, it's, it's a nice spot to be in. If you're the pirates, I, when was the last time they had this where you had five quality starters with, at least one quality depth option, you know, probably 2015, 2014, something like that. Even 2015, um, they just got really lucky. The rotation stayed healthy because they had five really good guys, not a lot behind it because of the Jamison Tyone injury. So, you know, it's a good spot to be in. You're going to need Ortiz. Um, you're probably going to need Quinn Priester at some point too. So that's just the way baseball goes. But yeah, I think Ortiz will be the odd man out for Velasquez. And it's nothing Ortiz has done wrong. It's just the five guys who started the year in rotation have done nothing wrong either. So, yeah, it's it's a nice spot to be in. And it's why, you know, the, the number one reason why this team, as awful as they've been in the month of May, are still just two games back at first place in the National League Central. And, you know, I'm looking right now. The Brewers are currently trailing San Francisco in the fifth inning, so it might only be a game and a half by the time you listen to this, is because of how well the starting rotation is done. So, you know, that that's the rotation has been really solid this year. It has quietly been one of the best rotations in the National League if you base it purely on ERA. Um, yeah, so I, I think Ortiz is the odd man out, but at the same time, I feel very confident saying we'll see Ortiz again probably be sooner rather than later. And you feel so much better after this most recent start, obviously his best uh, in the majors to this point. But, uh, you know, like you said, nothing done wrong. It's uh, it's just kind of how it works. It was a surprise, I think, for a lot of people that Vince Velazquez, um, you know, was even named a starter in the first place. I don't think many had faith that it would work out, but it has, along with Rich Hill. And you got three youngsters. I don't know if we can call Mitch Keller a youngster anymore, uh, but, you know, you got – your core along with it. It's been fun watching them develop and kind of work through this a little bit. Want to get to one of them. I want to talk about Johan Oviedo a little bit more. I know you got some uh, some work coming out on him, um, you know, in a little bit here, Marty. But first, let's get to our top of the trolley. Let's talk about the best thing that you saw this week in Pirates baseball. Man, I think for me, the best thing I saw this week, and I'm going to circle back to the guys at Starpo Ortiz, like – you know, going to the eighth inning, it looked like he was not just going to get his first career complete game, but then he might get a Maddox and do it with ease. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I also think the way he lost that complete game could be a positive for him. You had, what was it, a five or six run lead in the top of the eighth. Gets 0-2 on each of the first two batters of the inning. 
both guys, I think he got too obsessed, conservative, maybe getting the strikeout, which led to him going from being head of two issuing back-to-back walks. And a lot of young guys are going to get pulled right there. Derek Shelton left him in. And a lot of young guys, if they are left in, are going to implode. He put a foot down and do the double play ball. And they gave up a little flare single to score a run before he was pulled. So I think that's a good learning experience for him to learn. Hey, in that situation, just attack the strike zone. Um, and even though they got himself into trouble, he did more of a veteran type move where he then flipped the double play ball to clean the mess up and quickly end any, any rally threat by the Rangers. Um, he just, he was in control. He was aggressive. He attacked the strike zone. He used his pitches much more effectively than he did um, in his start against Detroit. Um, he did it against as well. Maybe the best lineup in baseball so far this year in the Texas Rangers. So it was awesome to see from Ortiz what he did. And he flashed why he's a guy who in the last calendar year has just absolutely shut up prospect boards and has become a top 100 prospect in more than one spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's high potential. We knew that when we uh, when we saw the call up there. And, you know, it's the guy we kind of called for. I think uh, early, early on. That Colorado start for Velazquez, there's part of, a, I think, everybody that wanted to see maybe Luis Ortiz or Quinn Priester come up as soon as they could. Uh, and we've gotten to see Ortiz. We've gotten to see an outstanding start now and just a great win to start that series. Um, you know, a team that has been on fire in the Texas Rangers, uh, one of the best teams in the American League. Um, you know, and a team that uh, he dominated in game number one. Game number two, not quite the same. Game number three, um, Obviously, uh, you know, frustrating finale to this series. Um, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place here, Marty. I'll get my uh, top of the trolley done real quick here. Termar Johnson. I know you wrote about him as well this week on the website. Uh, so go check that out, guys. Uh, but Termar Johnson, you know, guy that had kind of battled a little injury at the start of, uh, of this campaign here, has come back, uh, you know, is hitting the ball well, is hot right now. Um, you know, an exciting draft pick at number four last year. Much different strategy in this past draft than the one before it, obviously. But, you know, it's going to be so exciting to see how this plays out with, uh, you know, a bigger name in that draft in Termar Johnson playing well uh, there in Bradenton. Um, but, you know, Marty, as we kind of wrap up this series, uh, before we talk about what's coming up, before we talk about Johan Oviedo a little bit more in depth, um, you know, yesterday, if you're listening Friday, two days ago, Wednesday, that series finale against Texas, um, just another mistake-filled game and another game that the Pirates could have won. Uh, your thoughts overall and, um, you know, what what you might have changed uh, lineup-wise, pitching-wise, just your thoughts on the game. Yeah, you know, I told you before we came on the air, I didn't see a lot of the game. Um, I It was my students were at lunch, so I went to make a cup of coffee for myself and Pulled the game up on my phone while the, while the Keurig was doing its thing. And like eight pitches in, it was 3 nothing Texas. And I was like, screw this. I see where this is going. I'm done. And, you know, next thing you know, they wind up losing 3-2. to two. And, you know, after going back and kind of re-watching re it, it's just like, man, another waste of what was the bottom of the eighth. You're down 3-2, to two, bases loaded, one out, and you can't get a run in. Um, just so much of the same. Uh, that whatever that bunt attempt was by Chris Owings, um, that was, that, that was ugly. That was very ugly. Um, just one mistake after another, even, even in the bottom of the, what was it? The bottom of the first, whenever they scored those two runs, 
And I, I've rewatched it multiple times. I don't understand why Rodolfo Castro wasn't sent. I mean, he was already close, what, probably at least a quarter of the way, if not more, to home whenever Mike Rebello threw up the stop sign. Um, it might have been a bang, bang play at the plate, but man, especially when your offense is struggling, force the other team to make a play, force the envelope. Um, and that just that that changes everything. If let's say Castro's waved there, he scores, it, it makes it ties the game. You have another runner in scoring position at that point. Who knows where that thing goes? You might have knocked Martin Perez out of that game early and said he settled in and went seven strong or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it, it was frustrating. Just so many of the same issues that we've seen plague this team throughout the month of May mostly on the offense where the starting pitching has been great. The bullpen, a little shakier in May than April, but overall you're going to take the job they've done, especially with what your expectations were for this group. The defense has struggled, but ultimately if this offense was even mediocre this month, they're probably, you go from being two back in Milwaukee to being a game or two up on Milwaukee, most likely, you know, just there's been so many games that game Wednesday against Texas, that game Saturday against Arizona, I, I was at that thing, and God was I living at the end of that game. The 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 game against Colorado a few weeks ago, Rich Hill booted that ball. That game in Baltimore where they blew a lead in the seventh inning. There's been so many games this month that they easily could have won and just didn't. And so much of it, it while there's been other factors of circle back to the fact the offense just is not doing enough, um, yeah, and, and that's what's frustrating. Like, I just I don't understand. Not, you've got to do something. Um, at this point, not having Henry Davis on this roster is just roster malpractice. He has nothing left to prove at Double A Altoona. He was the number one overall pick in the draft. I understand he's never played at Triple A. As we've explained on this show so many times in today's baseball, there's not much of a difference between Double A and Triple A. In a lot of farm systems, they're going to be better starting pitching at double A than there is at triple A, at least in terms of stuff and talent and ceiling. Um, yeah, get, get just you, you've got to do something. I don't know if it's firing Andy Haynes, I, I, I don't know what it is. Something needs to be done about this offense, though, because it is just putrid. And I, I understand the, the sediment of people of, well, everyone thought this team was going to finish well below 500. You're going into Memorial Day weekend over 500, two games out of first. I, I get all of that. And I said this on Twitter. I said, you can look at things and say, hey, they're going to go into Memorial Day weekend over 500. There's clearly improvements that's been made and still be disappointed about where they're at because of the start they got off to. The, the, both of those things can be true. And as I've said a bunch too, your expectations need to change when it's Memorial Day weekend, you're still over 500 and you're in the worst division in baseball. 84 to 86 wins could very easily probably will win this division this year. You need to change the way you're operating. You need to change your expectations at that point. And that's why them doing nothing to address this offense is so frustrating. Well, and, you know, it feels like it is that pivotal point of the season. You know, this is still extremely salvageable. You're potentially a game and a half out at the end of tonight. Uh, and you have obvious issues. You have a division that is extremely winnable. But, uh, you know, this is the point of the season where, and you mentioned it earlier, it's, it, you're questioning, where are we at? You know, what is this going to be? 
Are we going to be a team that's having to try to sell off Vince Velasquez, having to sell off some of these veterans, you know, that were acquired here? Or uh, is this team going to be able to make a push for it? What does that look like? Do you try to add anything if that's the case? But, uh, you know, I guess as of uh, as of right now, you just got to put your head down, go game by game. Uh, big series coming up with Seattle this weekend. Um, but, you know, a frustrating finale there. Uh, obviously, um, you know, probably should have capitalized on the first inning. And, uh, and who knows? Kind of to go back for just a second, Marty, do you think, does it feel like, I guess, Robello's been a, a bit conservative this year at third base? Yeah, you know, to me it feels like he has. And when your offense is struggling the way this offense has struggled in May, you can't. You've got to – again, I understand you, you might get guys thrown out, but, man, I, I, I had this talk with my oldest after his pony game on Wednesday where he – there, there was a pickoff attempt where he shouldn't have ran and he ran. And then the other team tried to throw it a second and get him. And it was a poor throw and he was safe. And I told him, I said, you'd much rather make that aggressive mistake where you try and force them to make a play than make that passive mistake where you just kind of accept it and run into the out or whatever it might be. And I think that's kind of where you're at. Like, you know, you try and force the defense to make the play, even in the major leagues, a lot of times they're not going to make the play. And when your offense is struggling, when you have the opportunity to score, you, you got to try and just, you, you got to try and capitalize. You know, it's right now what's, what's so frustrating about this team in general is you watch them in a game like Wednesday where it's like, all right, first or second inning, we had a golden opportunity to put up four or five runs. We didn't. And you're just thinking like, well, they're probably not even going to chance to score one more run today. Or if they do, it's going to be like in the eighth inning where, you can't score it. You know, you have Rodolfo Castro who honestly hits a line drive fly out too hard that it prevents the run from scoring. And then Jack Sawinski, who is really slumping right now, goes up there and strikes out. Like it's just, yeah, it, it's frustrating. I have not been a fan of the work Rebello's done this season at third base. And I, I feel like it's one of those things where if we go back and look at some of the games in April, I'm sure that was there and it just didn't matter because they were winning, but now that they're not winning and everything's magnified, similar to the defense. When you're losing, everything's magnified, and that's where we're at right now. I feel like you kind of touched on it a little bit before that D.C. series. It's like if there's a flaw, you know, it's been this defense, and I think that's the thing that uh, was most obvious right now is how poor it's been, um, obviously, to go along with the offense, the offensive runners in scoring position. What do you do here, Marty? I mean, do you do you fire Andy Haynes? I mean, if you are Ben Sherrington, what is uh, move number one to address this? I mean, for me, move number one is easy. Henry Davis is coming to Seattle with us. Henry Davis should have been up already. Um, I understand the Super 2 thing, but, like, it's not a service time thing. People need to understand, at this point, it's not a service time thing. This is not service time manipulation. The way Major League Baseball rules are, you have to spend 172 game or 172 days, excuse me, in the major leagues to accrue a year of service time. If a team wants to avoid you spending 172 days in the majors in your first major league season, you've only got to spend somewhere in the like 15 to 18 days range of the major league or in the minor leagues. It always just kind of depends on when the, the when the team's season opener is vis-a-vis -vis the minor league opener and what level of the minors you're in and all that kind of stuff. So at this point, that, that full seventh year of control is firmly locked up unless Henry Davis comes up and rakes and finishes in the top three in rookie of the year voting or wins it or however that, the role is these days with that. 
But keeping Davis in the minors for another 15 to 16 days to avoid Super 2, he's still just as likely to come up and do that as he is now. You know what I mean? That That's not going to impede him from that. So it, it just it drives me nuts to sit here and say, well, we're going to try and save some money for four years down the road when we might not be in a position to com- contend and sacrifice now when this division is very winnable. Um, to me, that that's number one. Henry Davis is up here. I don't care if it's catching. I don't care if it's right field. I don't care if it's first base. I don't care if it's DH. He's in that lineup every day. The lineup needs something. They need something bad to spark them. And, you know, I'm not saying Henry Davis is going to come up and be and, and solve all their problems. That's not at all what I'm saying. But, you know, the kid, he was two for five again tonight. His OPS at Altoona is over a thousand. Like, he was drafted number one overall out of college for a reason. And, you know, I think if nothing else, he can provide a spark. He's going to give you better at bats than you get from Austin Hedges, from Jason DeLay, from Josh Palacios, from Chris Owings. Like, you know, it's like, like Saturday, for example. Again, I was at that game. It was so frustrating. And in the bottom of the ninth, when you have two outs, and the tying run on base and the winning run at the plate and your options, either Austin Hedges or Jason DeLay. Like if nothing else, it would have been nice to be able to send Henry Davis out there. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying Davis is going to put one over the wall, but I think he's got a pretty good shot at least getting on base. And then you get Andrew McCutcheon up with a tying run and scoring position. So, yeah, I, that that's my move number one if I'm Ben Charrington. Henry Davis is up here. He's in this lineup every single day. Um, I think there's some other minor things that could be done. You know, I, I'd like to see I, – I really like Andrew McCutcheon batting leadoff. I want him staying there. I like Reynolds in my two-hole. Three-hole becomes difficult because it's like, man, Sawinski is a really streaky hitter who does not hit lefties well um, and is really struggling right now. Keep Brian Hayes is struggling. Carlos Santana is struggling. I, I don't – maybe you put Henry Davis three, honestly. I don't know. I don't I, – I don't. It's – I don't envy – Derek Shelton's job at filling up that lineup card every day, but I certainly would want Henry Davis there. And the other move I'm making is just, just man, let Rodolfo Castro play, let him play. Like G one Bay is not hitting the ball. Well, he he is in the bottom 14% of baseball in barrel rate, hard hit rate and average exit velocity. He strikes out at a 26% rate. He only has 12 base hits all year that have left the infield. He's, he's, been extremely too reckless on the bases. Um, I understand Castro struggled against righties, but he's only going to get better against righties if you give him the opportunity to do so. And what, what's most maddening about that to me is the Pirates seem pretty content to give Jack Swinski every opportunity in the world against lefties, and he's been much worse against lefties in his career than Castro has righties, and they won't give Castro that opportunity. But, yeah, to me, the two big ones, the, the no-brainer is Henry Davis needs to be in the majors and be in the lineup every single day. And then on top of that, I would be playing Rodolfo Castro at second base every single day and probably, you know, play two Capito Marcano at shortstop every day. The kid's been a spark plug. He's hitting the ball well. The adjustments they made to his stance have really paid off. And I think, you know, if nothing else, you go with that, you're going to consistently get quality at bats. And, again, just just look this month how often they haven't gotten quality at bats. You know, they're – I don't remember – which frustrating close loss it was, but there was one at some point in the last week or two where it was either bottom of the eighth, bottom of the ninth, 
tying run on base and Josh Palacios strikes out swinging on a three, two pitch in a bat in which a ball was never in the strike zone. You know, you look at the, the, whatever that bunt attempt was by Owens on Wednesday, it's some of these guys are not even giving you competitive at bats on a consistent basis. It's frustrating. Uh, you know, these struggles and, um, you can point to a lot of different things, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, Chris Owings does not need to be on this team. And, uh, you know, Josh Palacios. So, so, I would rather see Cannon Smith and Jigba right now. Um, you know, or like you said, I think Henry Davis obviously deserves uh, his shots. Made comments about it this week. I saw, um, you know, just kind of talking about how uh, he's ready. You know, he's excited and uh, wants to be up. Um, but is when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, having fun in double-A as well, obviously, smashing the baseball. Right now, um, we're going to get to some other stuff and preview the Seattle series, of course, here. And we got some exciting news coming up at the end of the podcast as well. Uh, some upcoming stuff to tell you guys about. We'll save that for just a little bit. Uh, we talked highs earlier, Marty, with our top of the trail. We've got to get to the lows for a second. What's, uh, what's your sour pierogi this week? What's the worst, uh, worst part of the week for you? To me, the worst thing this week was Derek Shelton's managing on Saturday against Arizona. You have your bona fide ace, the guy who's developing one of the absolute best starting pitchers in the entire National League, cruising outside of the one-out solo home run to Kettle Marte in the first inning. He did not allow a base runner. To, the only other, That's the only base runner he allowed all game until two outs in the sixth when he hits a batter and gives up back-to-back infield singles. Um, he was cruising. He had thrown 84 pitches. He'd allowed three hits, two of which were infield singles. And the only other base run he allowed was a hit batter. There was no reason for Mitch Keller to be pulled from that game. Pulling Mitch Keller from that game. I mean, I would say the offense didn't help because the pirates are facing a struggling starting pitcher and can only score three runs. But I feel very confident saying if Keller pitches the seventh inning of that game, they win. Um, his reasoning after the game was even more maddening to say they were afraid he'd lost his release point when pitching from the stretch. Okay, fair enough. I will give you that if that's what you felt. However, to start the seventh inning with nobody on base, Mitch Keller is not going to be pitching from the stretch. If you were worried about that, get the bullpen going, have someone ready. If he gets a runner on base, go get him. And then on top of that, to go to Robert Stevenson in a one-run game in the seventh inning, instead of Dowry Moreta, or instead of looking to get more than three outs out of both Colin Holderman and David Bednar in that game with how little they've pitched lately. Um, I, I just didn't understand any 
any, any of Derek Shelton's reasoning that day. Um, I mean, I know going into that game, Stevenson had a nice ERA. And I think it led to people thinking he's pitched a lot better than he actually has this year. If you look at a lot of the peripherals and the metrics on Robert Stevenson, he has not been very good this year. And we have seen that his last few outings where he has been getting hit hard. He gives up too much hard contact. He has struggled with home runs. He has struggled with command. Just if you were going, if you were going to pull Keller, in my opinion, it had to be Moreta or Holderman there. And just, man, that was frustrating because that was a game the Pirates were in complete control of and a boneheaded managerial decision followed by a very poor decision of bullpen management led to them snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And, you know, it sure would be nice to uh, to have a series victory this month under the belts right now and a better job by Derek Shelton on Saturday against Arizona, and they have that. When you're that series too, I mean, you feel like coming in and still, of course, Arizona and Pittsburgh were kind of on that level plane. You felt like it was a true test of, of where you were at. Similar team, similar season, um, but frustrating moments throughout that series. They're in PNC Park uh, as well, um, you know, and, and like you said, no series wins here recently for the Buccos, uh, but they were two and five since our last podcast. Uh, my sour pierogi. This week, um, I think I'm going to go with Sunday. All the past uh, past balls and wild pitches, just oh. mind-numbing. Little League-esque. And, and to me, what made all of that so much worse was you got no help from your catcher. No. I think the Pirates started what, four wild pitches? And yeah. honestly, at least three of them should have been passed balls on Jason DeLay. <laughs> all four of them easily could have been passed balls on Jason DeLay. And yeah, I mean, obviously the final score Sunday was ugly, but I, man, better, better defense on Sunday, and they easily could have won that game. So I don't blame you. And you know, it's who knows. There's so many moments it feels like in this last stretch where just little mistakes. It's like who knows if they uh, can get that third out here. You know, if they can clean it up here <clears throat> Sunday, prime example of uh, of all of that. But um, you know, there's been some ups with the downs as well throughout all of this. Marty Johan Oviedo. Uh, an immaculate inning. You heard that to start our podcast tonight. Uh, the Pirates, such a crazy stat. Two immaculate innings this season. The only other team in Major League Baseball's history to have two immaculate innings in the same month. Houston Astros last year. Um, but an immaculate inning, obviously some struggles as well. You take a couple starts. We were kind of talking about a pre-show. You take a couple starts out of it. And, uh, you know, what a season for Johan. So far, really even just a few innings here and there. But overall, um, the stuff is there. Your thoughts on Johan Oviedo, and uh, you kind of teased that. You got an article coming up. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'll have an article up. I look, it'll be going up Saturday morning on the site about Johan Oviedo. And uh, it, it, it's at least for the time being, it's time to discuss the idea of using an opener with Johan Oviedo. Um, you, you know, overall this year, Oviedo has pitched really well and his. Overall stats are not going to reflect that largely because, you know, his last start of April against the Washington Nationals, his first start of May against the Toronto Blue Jays, he got tagged for 13 earned runs. Well, he's only allowed 28 earned runs all season. 13 of them came in those two starts. Um, his other eight starts, he's been really good. And in those eight starts, what has plagued Oviedo has been the first inning. And we saw that 
again on Wednesday. He has allowed five only five home runs this year. Four of them have come in the first inning of games. Three of them in that first inning in Boston. Um, whatever it is, he again, he's allowed 28 earned runs this year. 16 of them have come in the first inning of games. Um, four of his five home runs. He's allowed tw- or 10 doubles this year. Five of them have come in the first inning. He's allowed 57 hits this year. Or he's allowed 57 hits this year, and 16 of them come in the first inning. That's a pretty big chunk. So he, there's something there. There's something there that's causing him to struggle in the first inning, especially the way he proceeds to settle in the rest of the game. So that's up to him. That's up to Oscar Marine. It's up to this coaching staff to figure it out. In the meantime, though, it, it might be time to discuss that opener idea. You know, take whoever might be, Johan Ramirez, whoever, pitch the first inning, let Oviedo start finishing up his warm-up then, and then go in and be your bulk guy and see if that makes a difference. Because the kid's got a lot of talent. He has shown this year he's got a lot of talent. Whatever it is, that first inning is bothering him. And, you know, the best way to address that right now might be to, at least in the meantime, roll, roll with an opener and see where it takes you. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a guy that uh, we didn't necessarily see as a starter when he uh, first came to Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, a guy in the long run that you would love to to kind of anchor the rotation even um, with, with some of the starts we've seen. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Marty. Maybe it's nerves. You know, maybe um, it just kind of takes the arm getting to the right spot, uh, an extended warm-up, getting to that through that first inning, maybe uh, – you know, some kind of opener situation. And uh, and it's a perfect setup for Johan Oviedo, but you love what you've seen in some of these starts. Obviously, so much potential and such a fleece. Cannot bring it up enough of the St. Louis Cardinals to bring in Johan Oviedo. Um, Marty, as we uh, kind of continue along here, don't really have too many tweets of the week. Really kind of just got one tweet uh, of the week. I'll call it. Let me get it up here uh, from my guy, Jay. You've probably seen this guy. Um, on Twitter, he's, I think, my favorite stat account in all of sports, not just Major League Baseball. Uh, Jay Cuda, White Sox uh, MLB stats guy, just a stat head. I'm not sure if he works with the White Sox or um, I don't think he does. I think he's just kind of a, a stat head that's uh, made, a, made a name for himself here on Twitter. Uh, but he's tweeted out the equivalence to how far along we are in the MLB season right now. We're 50 games into well, 162-game season. That's 30.86%. Had to compare it to the NFL. We'd be in week six into the first quarter out of the NBA. It would be game number 26 out of 82, middle of the second quarter. Uh, 40-hour work week. Uh, it would be Tuesday afternoon at 1.21 p.m. Uh, if it was a nine-inning game, bottom of the third, two outs. And uh, if you're on the golf course, 18 holes, you're at the sixth hole, and it's the approach shot. Love these tweets. It's uh, fun to kind of think about it like that a little bit. Um, but it is an 162-game season, Marty. And, uh, you know, it's one that's already had kind of a roller coaster ride with the ups and the downs, 25 and 24, one game over 500 as we sit here uh, on Friday morning. Seattle Mariners, Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend. Just kind of your general thoughts on uh, on the upcoming series. Yeah, it'll be a tough series. I mean, the Mariners got off to a super slow start this year, but uh, are playing some really good baseball right now. They're looking like 
the team that a lot of people expected to contend for the American League pennant this year. Um, you're, it's it's going to be a tall task this weekend. Seattle's a really good team. Um, Safeco Field is not an easy place to play at all, and you're going to face some talented starting pitching. Um, I mean, fr- Friday night, man, it's it's unfortunate. I I my family and I we go camping every year Labor Day weekend, but uh, we uh, I, I'm not exactly the roughing in the outdoors type. So like we we you know we my my dad has a has a large large camper we take campground we go to has you know electricity and water and actually has cable hookup as well so we're able to kind of keep tabs on the box over there but it's it's unfortunate this game on friday is a 10 10 first pitch because george kirby versus mitch keller should be a lot of fun two young rising studs in baseball um but it's going to be a long night for the pirate offense against kirby who is phenomenal um saturday luis castillo we all know luis castillo he always gave the pirates fits when he was with the reds castillo for the last what going on a decade now has quietly, very quietly been one of the best starting pitchers in the, in baseball going up against Rollins and Contreras. And then as of now, Sunday's pitching matchup is projected as Luis Ortiz to go over the pirates against Marco Gonzalez for the Mariners. Um, Gonzalez has really struggled this year, but is his career track record indicates he's a, he's a guy who's much better than he's pitched. So, you know, if you're the pirates, you're hoping offensively you can take advantage of that against Gonzalez on Sunday and, Friday night, you know, anytime your ace goes, you want to win. So, you know, if you're the Pirates trying to map out a path to series victory, it's probably Keller comes out Friday and shoves and out pitches George Kirby and the offense does just enough. And then Sunday, you're able to get another strong start out of Luis Ortiz with the offense taking advantage of a struggling Marco Gonzalez because Saturday's pitching matchup, um, runs to Contreras. Go, go on the site. Noah's got a good article up about him and his fastball issues and what needs to be done there because his four-seamer is not working. It's not going to work. Um, they need to do something there. If he's ever going to reach that ceiling, he has. Um, going up against Luis Castillo is not a pitching matchup that favors the Pirates at all. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough weekend. The Mariners are a really good team. The Mariners are a really fun team. Julio Rodriguez is as fun as anybody in baseball. Um uh, some some familiar names on the Mariners team. So, yeah, it should be a fun series this weekend. And, you know, it's – it's right now it's hard to feel confident about the Pirates going against anybody that poorly have played this month, but especially on the road against a team as good as Seattle. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight this weekend for Pittsburgh to remain above 500. You know, what a stretch when you look at it. Uh, obviously, Tampa was kind of the start of this. Kind of the start of you know what has been um, some losing here for the Pirates as well. You roll that into some difficult series, obviously, and there's little breaks. You know, you, we looked at that Colorado series and uh, thought, okay, we, here we can take a breath. Detroit, um, they've had their ups and downs, but hot as can be. And then uh, you know you roll into Texas, Arizona, now Seattle coming up this weekend. But like you said, you know you get an ace off, going to be a fun uh, fun game one there. And who knows? I mean, Zach Gallen, obviously. Potential Cy Young uh, Award winner this year. Yeah, I mean, in, in recent weeks, beating up on strong starting pitching has kind of been this team's thing. You know, they got to Gallon, they got to uh, uh, they got to Eduardo Rod- Eduardo Rodriguez. Excuse me, yeah. Dane Dunning was just pitching lights out for Texas. They knocked him around. So, <laughs> you, you know that that it, it's been. You know, you look at that Arizona series, even because Merrill Kelly, even though Merrill Kelly didn't give up a hit in like the fifth or sixth inning. They were putting guys on base. They were drawing walks and making them throw pitches, and then they eventually got to him for three runs or whatever it was on that on the Marcano double. Um, it's been, that, that again, that Arizona series. Brandon Fat on Saturday. 
was one of the game with an array of like eight and a half. And they couldn't, they, they got three runs off him in the third inning, couldn't touch him otherwise. So, you know, it's like you said, maybe that, that success carries over here and they continue to find success against good starting pitching. <laughs> It'd be fun. It'll be a fun matchup. Uh, see if they can do it again here. And you get Mitch Keller more, uh, Money Mitch on Friday night and Sunday, you know, your wild card game there uh, and see what you can get on Saturday. Who knows uh, what can happen? It's baseball. It's going to be a fun series in Seattle. Uh, one more little mini segment we got here, Marty. You're going to change up a little bit this week. Let's uh, let's go safe under review and uh, still fire into the sun. Um, safe being the player of the week under review. You know, a guy that maybe he's kind of a sleeper that caught your attention or uh, something you're a little bit worried about this week. Fire into the absolute sun. Um, you know, the worst uh, the worst player, worst, uh, I guess, person of the organization, even if you want to include coaches, whatever you're thinking there. Uh, you got anybody this week, Marty? I mean, I think in turn, you want to talk about someone who kind of flying under the radar, and I mentioned him a little bit earlier with Oviedo and Opener. Man, we need to talk about what Johan Ramirez is doing out of this bullpen right now. Um, he's a guy who's always had a uh, really high ceiling and great stuff. Just can never really put it all together with Cleveland or Seattle. Um, actually pitched pretty sneaky well with the Pirates last year after they traded for him. And now this year, in, I mean, it's only been 16 innings because he started the year in the minors. But in 16 major league innings, there's a 291 ERA. Um, he's got a 10% walk rate, which is a little high, but he's striking guys out at a 26% rate. Opponents are only hitting 220 off of him. He's only allowed one home run. He's been really, really, really good. His stuff has looked really good. Um, I think Johan Ramirez needs to start to get a little bit more attention out of this bullpen than he's gotten. Um, you know, as for fire into the sun, like, I don't – like, there, there's a lot of options on this roster right now, <laughs> I feel. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to keep saying Austin Hedges every week. Cause I mean, I mean, quite honestly, when you bring up Henry Davis, I'm not even getting rid of Hedges. I'm optioning Jason delay. Um, and that's, if you bring Davis up to catch, if you don't bring him up to catch it's neither, but like when these young guys get her, when Davis and Andy Rodriguez are both on this roster, I still want Austin Hedges around to mentor them. They can pick his brain. They can learn a lot from him. Um, so I'll say Chris Owings. I mean, when Owings first came up, I didn't have an issue with it because the defensive shortstop was struggling so much. But Tucapita Marcano has really stabilized that. At this point, Owings, you know, yeah, he's a really strong defender, but Marcano can give you that and give you a lot more offensively just after that sacrifice bunt attempt. And, I mean, people who read the site or listen to this, you, you know how much I absolutely freaking loathe sacrifice bunting to begin with. Um, and, you know, hey, maybe Chris Owings is in the – I should lump him in the way I feel about Austin Hedges. I feel if Hedges comes up with a runner on first and less than two outs, he should bunt every single time so he doesn't do a double play. But um, <laughs> but no, after that, like I, it was maddening enough to attempt to bunt there, but the to pop the bunt straight up into the air, just, just get him out of here. Get, get Owings out of here. Get him out, bring up Davis, and just let Henry rake. <laughs> It's time. It's time. I mean, it's uh, it is embarrassing, uh, you know, to have somebody like that in your lineup every day. It's like having a pitcher. We go on and on. Uh, any any player you want to highlight, a guy that uh, you know, is maybe uh, your best pirate of the week. Oh man, best pirate of the week. 
I'm trying to think. Cause I mean, I'll go, you know, cause we haven't even, I don't know how we're 45 minutes into this. I haven't even touched on this. Now it's on us completely. Give me cut 1500 hits in a pirate yes. uniform. He's what I think like 10 or 11 away from 2000 for his career. Um, I have said it all along and people have given me a lot of flack for it. And I don't care. I will never back down from this. Andrew McCutcheon belongs in the Mount Rushmore, the Pittsburgh pirates it is Hannes Wagner it is Roberto Clemente. It is Willie Stargell and it is Andrew McCutcheon. Um, because you need to factor in not just what McCutcheon has done on the field, but what he's done off the field for this organization and for this franchise. Um, I, I don't know if Andrew McCutcheon ever gets into the hall of fame. I, I am someone who thinks that the knee issues he ran into from like 2016 through like 2019 or so that caused his numbers to dip and caused his prime years to be cut short may wind up keeping him out of the hall, especially because he never won a world series. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that man, 1500 hits as a pirate. He's going to get to 2000 hits probably in the next what week, week and a half for his career overall. He's going to get to 300 home runs in his career this year. Um, when he retires, whatever off season that occurs, that home opener the next season, 22 needs to be retired. I think he should get a statue one day as well. So yeah, just shout out to Kutch for, you know, the guy is probably going to forever be my favorite baseball player of all time. Um, our generation did not know winning baseball in Pittsburgh before Andrew McCutcheon came along. Um, and just, yeah, 1500 hits as a pirate is so awesome. It's just one of those things. It's so, it, it's not just great that Kutch is back this year, but the fact that he's back and hitting as well as he has, putting together his best offensive season in two, three years, man, just makes it even more enjoyable. Cause if this is it, if this is it for Andrew McCutcheon, I'm far from convinced it is, but if it is, he's not riding off into the sunset scuffling along. He's soaring off into the sunset. But like I said, combined with comments he made in the offseason with how well he's playing, I don't think this is it for Andrew McCutcheon. I, I, won't, I will not be the least bit surprised if next year Andrew McCutcheon is still on this team and still hitting the ball well. I completely agree. You know, and I think some of it goes hand in hand too. He's back in Pittsburgh. He feels more comfortable. He is, uh, you know, so so well loved here uh, in Pittsburgh to the point. That, you know, I think that fuels the offense to an extent. That fuels the way he's playing. A fifteen hundred hits as a part of the only player in franchise history with fifteen hundred hits, two hundred home runs, and one hundred and seventy five steals. Uh, you know, open for debate, I think, Marty, but um, I'm with you, man. Mount Rushmore uh, deserves a spot on it. And I think we will see a statue because um, for our generation, this is the player for everybody. This is the guy that changed the culture. And I think sometimes, you know, you kind of equate maybe like a Mount Rushmore or, you know, whatever you, you decide on statues with. But, uh, you know, you equate the, the big winning. Did they win a World Series? You know, how far did they make it in the playoffs? And I think sometimes you got to think about the culture and where yeah. it was, you know. You nailed exactly what I was going to say. Cultural impact. Look at the actual Mount Rushmore. Take Teddy yeah. Rose. I'm not trying to go off on a tangent here, but no. I, I've agreed in history. This is my thing. I love it. It's, but take Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt. Was Teddy Roosevelt, in terms of what he did economically, in terms of what he did well in office, is he up there in terms of presidents from that standpoint? No. Culturally, though, he absolutely is. And that's why Teddy Roosevelt's on Mount Rushmore. Between 
what he did for national parks, the creation of the freaking teddy bear, like <laughs> night, the museum movies. Like I understand a lot of the <laughs> things like Mount Rushmore, but you just, you see Teddy Roosevelt walk quietly and carry a big stick. Like you, you just see the cultural impact of Teddy Roosevelt that, the, the, the reputation he had as a rough rider and just that no nonsense guy and how that encapsulates the American spirit. That's how he wound up on it. And I think Andrew McCutcheon, that's kind of where he's at of like, Hey, you know what? He showed up, he got to the majors. He was sick and tired of losing. He took this organization under his wings. He turned it around this town, this organization, this fan base. He is so beloved in so many ways because of the cultural impact he had on the Pittsburgh pirates continues to have on the Pittsburgh pirates. And that's why he belongs on the Mount Rushmore of the Pittsburgh pirates. What a beautiful analogy too, Marty. What a what a what a great monologue there. And uh, you know, everything you said, uh, it's it's true. I mean, this guy absolutely changed Pirates baseball, changed um, you know, how the city of Pittsburgh felt about baseball. Cause uh, obviously such a storied history and so many different wonderful eras throughout Pirates baseball, uh, you know, throughout Pirates franchise history, but in our lifetimes, uh, you know, if you're born anywhere from nineteen I'd say even mid eighties, uh, you know, cause you're still a little kid when um, they made it to the NLCS, you know, you, you didn't understand what a winning season even looked like. Andrew McCutcheon changed that. Uh, and just for him to be back for this to, to be happening the way it is, it's, you know, it's magical. And, and obviously they're not still 12 games over 500. They are only just one and um, you know, not in first place any longer, but there's still a lot of season left. And uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon continuing to have success, the team, Having uh, you know an above 500 season to this point, it's been so much fun. Um, you know, and they've obviously had their struggles here, but a big opportunity to bounce back again this weekend. Marty, uh, real quick here, and my laptop's about to die, so uh, gonna try to squeeze it all in. But um, minor league minute, anything you want to highlight going on in the minor leagues, and uh, why don't we just lump it in? Anything you got coming out on the website uh, other than the article with Johan Oviedo? Uh, you got upcoming this weekend? Yeah, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier, Tamar Johnson. Um, really starting to turn it on. I have uh, an article on the site that went up on Thursday about that. I mean, slow start to the year, probably not a coincidence that it went hand in hand with that hamstring injury. Um, but in the month of May, he's been really good, starting to show why he's number four of all pick in the draft last year, show why he was invited to Major League Camp as an 18-year-old. Um, definitely a kid to be excited for. Henry Davis just continues to rake. Um, one guy I do I want to mention, because he doesn't get talked about enough by Pirate fans, a draft pick from last year, Thomas Harrington. Um, started, excuse me, started tonight for Bradenton, fired six strong innings, only allowed two hits, did not allow a run. His ERA in the year is 277 in 39 innings pitches, walk to strikeout ratios, 12 to 40. Um, Harrington has been really good. Definitely got to watch again. College arm could probably rise through the system quickly. So definitely deserves a bit of a shout out there. And, um, as we're coming up on the site, like I said, Saturday morning, we'll have, about uh, Oviedo, the need for an opener. Um, and again, like I said, I will be camping this weekend, so there will be a lot of just fishing and grilling and beverages and things of that nature on my docket, and not so much writing. Um, but we will still be busy around Bunner, Nick, and and you know we are our great staff, Noah, and you know some of our newbies who have been doing a lot of great work. Seth Ross, Brendan Zelinsky, shout out to those guys who are off to a great start with us. Um, they will continue to have you guys covered all weekend long. So make sure if you uh, Monday during the Memorial Day barbecue, if you need to sneak away from the in-laws or whatever it may be for a while, check out Run Bunner because we'll still have some good stuff up for you. 
Check it out, guys. Follow us on Twitter while you're at it. It's uh, at Rob Munter. Keep up with us throughout the weekend there. And, uh, you know, we're wishing a happy Memorial Day to everybody coming up there on Monday as well. And uh, safe travels, Marty. Hope it's an enjoyable trip. Uh, for the camping there, wish you luck the fishing, everything. Go enjoy it. Um, let's go root them home. Let's uh, see what they can do here against the Seattle Mariners. If you don't got anything else, Marty, I think uh, we can put a bow on it. Thank you guys for tuning into the episode. We'll be back next week to break it all down. We're going to have Jason Mackey on soon. And uh, I, I teased it there for for a little bit in the middle. I almost forgot about it. We're going to be uh, going live for the first time in podcast history. Coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, I believe it's June the 10th is uh, where we're going to be live. Yeah, June the 10th, we are going to be uh, at the Federal Gallery in Pittsburgh. Going live for a podcast for Pirates Met. So uh, excited to... To do that, we're going to have more details on that. Um, we're going to be hanging out. Excited to uh, to get it rolling there. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us as always. Let's go get these Seattle Mariners. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. And let's go Bucks. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.